Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hello there. Welcome back. This will be for Hebrews chapter 7. The heading reads, Melchizedek priesthood brings exaltation and administers the gospel. It is received with an oath and covenant. Superiority of the Melchizedek over the Aaronic priesthood. Salvation comes through the intercession of Christ. There are many informative concepts about the priesthood in this chapter, such as the ideas that perfection comes through the Melchizedek priesthood, that the Melchizedek priesthood is not restricted to one lineage, that the priesthood is eternal, that it is received with an oath and a covenant, and that Christ's priesthood function continues eternally. This chapter could best be understood as a typology, with Melchizedek, the great high priest, being a type of Christ, and the order of the priesthood held by Melchizedek and his people being typical of the order of the priesthood held by Jesus Christ and his disciples. Do we know who Melchizedek was? For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. So uh, Melchizedek was a king over the land of Salem, and that's uh, Jerusalem. And his people had waxed strong in iniquity and abomination. Yea, they had all gone astray. They were full of all manner of wickedness. But Melchizedek, having exercised mighty faith and received the office of the high priest, or of the high priesthood, according to the holy order of God, did preach repentance unto his people. And behold, they did repent, and Melchizedek did establish peace in the land of his day. In his days, therefore he was called the Prince of Peace, for he was the king of Salem, and he did reign under his father. So we, we know that... Um, well, let me read some more. Melchizedek was both a king and a priest. In, his, in this respect, he is a type for Christ, who also who was also both a king and a priest. Being a king and a priest is the natural consequence of exercising the fullness of the Melchizedek priesthood, and all holders of this priesthood are given the promise that they will someday be kings and priests unto the Most High God. His position in the priestly hierarchy of God's earthly kingdom was like that of Abraham, his contemporary whom he blessed, and upon whom he conferred the priesthood, which Abraham received the priesthood from Melchizedek, who received it through the lineage of his fathers, until Noah. The names Melchizedek and Salem suggest the uniqueness of the king of Salem and his people. In fact, the very name Melchizedek consists of the two Hebrew words Malki, which means king, and Sedek, righteousness, implying the king of Salem, faith in God. My king is righteousness. Similarly, the apostle Paul interpreted Melchizedek as king of righteousness. Salem, the name of Melchizedek's land or city, may mean peace or peaceful. The Bible dictionary in the LDS edition of the Bible identifies Salem as Jerusalem. Biblical text discloses that Melchizedek was the righteous leader of a group of people who earned a reputation for peace and stability. Thus, in the midst of violent and chaotic times, dominated by warring tribal factions, Melchizedek and Salem indeed appear unique. Remember that uh, we know that the name Melchizedek is a title, which means king of righteousness. And we think that uh, Salem, or that Melchizedek, may have been uh, also Shem, who was one of the sons of Noah. Uh, And there's another discussion in another podcast about that. Anyway, let's keep going here. Verse 2. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. 
Melchizedek was the presiding authority of God on earth in the day of Abraham, and as such, the great patriarch paid tithes to and was blessed by Melchizedek. That's by Bruce R. McConkie. Verse 3, uh, notice the change here in the JST. For this Melchizedek was ordained a priest after the order of the Son of God, which was which was without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. And all those who are ordained unto this priesthood are made like unto the Son of God, abiding a priest continually. It was righteousness that qualifies one for the priesthood, not descent from Levi. That was by Joseph F. Joseph Feeling McConkie. In section 102, it says, Why the first is called the Melchizedek priesthood is because Melchizedek was such a great high priest. Before his day, it was called the holy priesthood after the order of the Son of God, but out of respect or reverence to the name of the supreme being, to avoid the too frequent repetition of his name, they, the church in ancient days, called that priesthood after Melchizedek or the Melchizedek priesthood. And also before that, as we learn in section 121, it was called the priesthood after the order of Enoch. Verse 4, Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the, of the spoils. For Paul's audience, Abraham is the pinnacle of religious history. He is the father of all the righteous, whose supremacy is without dispute. Yet Paul is providing or is proving that Melchizedek was even greater than Abraham. He also has to prove that Melchizedek's priesthood was superior to the Levitical tradition. The Jewish mind is going to be res resistant to these ideas especially because the scriptural record of Melchizedek is so scant. Hence, Paul invites, Now consider how great this man was, of Melchizedek, Abraham declared, or Alma declared, there, was, there were many before him, and also there were many afterwards, but none were greater. He was superior to Abraham because Abraham paid tithes to him. He was superior because Abraham was blessed by him, and without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. Verse 5, And verily they that are of the sons of Levi, who receive the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. And what of Levi? The Jewish traditions are appropriately held that Levi was inferior to Abraham. If Abraham was inferior to Melchizedek, then logic would declare that Levi and the Levitical priesthood were inferior to Melchizedek and the Melchizedek priesthood. Paul expresses this idea with the figurative notion that Levi also paid tithes to Melchizedek, being yet unborn in the loins of his father. Verse 8, But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of, tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And here men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them, of whom it is witness that he liveth. And as I may so say, Levi also who receiveth tithes paid tithes in Abraham. For he, Levi, was yet in the loins of his father Abraham when Melchizedek met him Abraham. Paul notes that there are two priesthoods or divisions of priesthoods. Verse 11, If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priesthood should, should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, made it there, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. The law of Moses was fulfilled, so the higher priesthood came. James E. Talmadge said, The authority of administration in the temples of Solomon, Zerubbabel, and Herod was that of the lesser or Aaronic priesthood for the higher or Melchizedek priesthood, otherwise known as the holy priesthood after the order of the Son of God, had been taken from Israel with Moses. The temples of the present are administered under the great greater authority. The importance of the distinction between these two orders of priesthood may warrant a further consideration in this place, that the two are essentially separate and distinct, as made plain by Paul in his epistle to the Hebrews. 
However, remember Joseph Smith said that all priesthood is Melchizedek, um, and so Aaronic is an appendage of the of the Melchizedek priesthood. Verse 13, For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe, of which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning the priesthood. And it is yet far more evident, for that after this, after the similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest, who is made not after the law or a carnal, of a carnal commandment, in other words, the Aaronic priesthood, but after the power of an endless life, meaning the Melchizedek priesthood. Joseph Smith said, The power of the Melchizedek priesthood is to have the power of endless lives. What was the power of Melchizedek? It was not the priesthood of Aaron. Melchizedek was a king and a priest to the Most High God. It was a perfect law of theocracy, holding keys of power and blessings. He stood as God to give laws to the people, administering endless lives to the sons of, and daughters of, Ab- of Adam by kingly powers of anointing. That was by Kent Jackson, who's quoting Joseph Smith. Verse 17, For he testifieth, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, for there is verily a, a, a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. For the law was administered without an oath, and made nothing perfect, but was only the bringing in of a better hope, by the which we draw nigh unto God. In other words, he's saying here that there's not a, a oath and covenant of the Aaronic priesthood, but there's an oath and covenant of the Melchizedek priesthood. Verse 20, inasmuch as this high priest was not without an oath, in other words, callings in the Aaronic priesthood are conferred without an oath. That's Bruce R. McConkie that said that. Verse 21, for those priests were made without an oath. Well, that's what I just said, wasn't it? While the Melchizedek priesthood is without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, the Levitical priesthood was with father, with mother, and with descent. For priesthood came by lineage, not by righteousness. Furthermore, the Levitical priesthood had a beginning, and it will have an end. It will have an end in the sense that those who have the Aaronic priesthood will receive the Melchizedek priesthood, and the functions of the Aaronic priesthood will no longer be needed. Paul notes another significant difference, namely that priests of the Melchizedek priesthood receive a promise of God that they will be priests forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Levitical priests could not make this claim, being made priests without an oath. However, consider the following regarding the eternal nature of the Aaronic priesthood. The, the record of Joseph Smith that the Aaronic priesthood is to remain on the earth until the sons of Levi do offer again an offering unto the Lord in righteousness, that's DNC, I'm sorry, Doctrine and Covenants section 13, may suggest to some that the Aaronic priesthood is only temporary. Oliver Cowdery's earlier account is perhaps a bit more precise using the word that instead of until. In a special conference held the 21st of October, 1848 in Canesville, Iowa, now Council Bluffs, Oliver Cowdery, who had been excommunicated on the 11th of April, 1838, arose to seek forgiveness of the church and bore his testimony. I was present with Joseph when when an holy angel from God came down from heaven and conferred on us or restored the lesser or Aaronic priesthood and said to us at the same time that it should remain upon the earth while the earth stands. This statement is consistent with the Lord's declaration that the Aaronic priesthood continueth and abideth forever with the priesthood which is after the holiest order of God. There are several ways in which the Aaronic priesthood may be considered eternal in duration. In one respect, everyone who holds the Melchizedek priesthood also holds the Aaronic priesthood for the following reasons. One, the greater comprehends the lesser so that all who hold the Melchizedek priesthood ipso facto hold the Aaronic priesthood. Two, when a person receives the Aaronic priesthood and subsequently receives the Melchizedek priesthood, none of the former authority is taken away. 
In another respect, it has been taught that the church on earth, down to the office of deacon, has been organized after the pattern of the church which exists in heaven. This would imply that somewhere in our Father's house there is a place for the, for the ministration of this lesser order of the priesthood. At least one realm in which this priesthood will minister is in the earth's that will always be passing through a temporal existence with respect to the functioning of the, of the Aaronic priesthood on this earth after it has passed away and become celestialized. Joseph Smith, Joseph Fielding Smith has explained, as long as we have temporal things on the earth, this priesthood is necessary. Eventually, when the earth is celestialized, I suppose all priesthood will be of the higher order. Uh, let's see, continuing verse 21, but this with an oath by him that said unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The oath and covenant of the priesthood pertains only to the Melchizedek priesthood, and that's in Doctrine and Covenants section 84. Verse 22, By so much was Jesus made the surety of a better testament, and they truly were, were many priests, because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he, meaning Jesus, is able also to save them to the uttermost, that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made ruler over the heavens. And not as those high priests who offered up sacrifice daily, first for their own sins and then for the sins of the people, for he needed not to offer sacrifice for his own sins, for he knew no sins, but, but for the sins of the people. And this he did once when he offered up himself. Jesus did not need to atone for his own sins first. Remember also that Jesus did have to work out his own salvation, but because he was sinless, did not have to worry about that part. Gerald Dunn said, The Apostle Paul in the book of Hebrews drew heavily on the typology of the Day of Atonement to teach the mission of Christ. In that epistle, he pointed out that Christ is the great high priest who, unlike the high priest of the Aaronic priesthood, was holy and without spot and did not need to make atonement for his own sins before he could be worthy to officiate for Israel and enter the Holy of Holies. His perfect life was the ultimate fulfillment of the symbol of wearing white garments. Verse 28, For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity, but the word of the oath which was since the law maketh a son who is consecrated forevermore, or perfected forevermore. Bruce R. McConkie said, Thus far Paul has taught the principles involved. He has shown that Israel failed to enter into eternal glory through the law alone. He has shown that salvation did not come by the law of Moses alone. He was shown that the Messianic high priest was needed to sacrifice himself for the sins of the people. Now he is, re now he is prepared to show how each performance of the Mosaic sacrificial system bore record of and pointed to the great and eternal sacrifice of the promised high priest. He, we have such a high priest, he says, who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Anyway, that's the end of chapter 7, and we'll see you next time. Bye.